0: Welcome to Don't Give Up Your Day Job, the podcast, the only podcast you need. My name is Danny McCrum, and today on the show we have the talented, the innovative, and the funky Jeff Ong. I'm talking to you from level three, uh, for those outside of New Zealand, Auckland has been in level four lockdown for five weeks, and we've now just entered level three, which is very similar, but we can get takeout, so that's a bonus. I don't personally really eat takeout, but I feel like getting some anyway, um, because having been locked down for five weeks, it's 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 those little things that can, you know, you're deprived of it and all of a sudden you want it, so uh, I get it, I get it. I might order something, go pick something up on the weekend, see what happens. It's been a long five weeks in level four, uh, I know a lot of people out there have been really struggling. Um, up against financial issues and difficulties being in their bubbles and the fear and anxiety around losing businesses and all of the rest of it. I hope everyone listening is doing all right. Uh, Personally, I can't complain. Things have been relatively stable for me, but I have been... uh, Yeah, I mean, we all go through the the highs and lows emotionally and psychologically. Um, Personally, I've been finding a bit of relief and a bit of hope by listening to presentations on YouTube with some of the great minds in the world, people like Steven Pinker, Sam Harris, uh, Richard Dawkins. I've, I've always loved listening to these people, but in this time of, of science being disputed and people arguing over stuff that we thought was settled, it's nice to get away from the Facebook you know, rhetoric and listen a little more to people who actually know what they're talking about. I find that quite calming. I've also been catching up on some work, trying to do a spring clean in the house, but also uh, in my company. Just tidying folders and sorting out some spreadsheets and all of that sort of stuff. All of that sort of stuff actually settles me. It makes me feel better. I feel like I've got a you know a little bit more of a handle on my corner, you know, in this world. So those have been some of my coping mechanisms during this very weird time we're going through, and it has got me thinking a lot about what we're doing here on the show and what the goal was when we started and whether we've reached that goal and what we need to be doing next. So there are probably some changes coming. Um, I'll tell you more about that as we get closer to it, as we organize it a bit more and figure out what the rollout will be. You know, things shouldn't stay the same. Things need to evolve. The world's evolving around us. Um, It's important that we evolve with it. Anyway, um, I didn't know Jeff Ong before I spoke to him. I'd heard about him. I had heard a few years ago that there was something going on, there was some sort of activity around his music. Um, I know people who mention him, who, who think very highly of him, and this is one of those occasions where I just reached out to him and I, I just took a punt and he showed up and turned out to be a great guy, um, really, really enjoyed this conversation, I know I always say that, I actually always mean it too. But um, yeah, Jeff's a good dude. He's working hard. He's making money. Um, he's he's doing the job, and much respect to him. This is my conversation with Jeff. Oh.
1: My family's from Malaysia. Right. Um, they moved here like a couple of years before I was born, and then mm-hmm. yeah, just hung around. Pretty much the that's, whole time. That's kind of an interesting topic that
0: I didn't plan to talk about, but let's go there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is that experience like? I mean, is the fact that you're born and raised and basically fully Kiwi mm. does that cause attention in the sense that uh, do you feel profiled because people make assumptions
1: that aren't true? Is that the, the experience? Uh, I don't know. I feel like not so much anymore. Mm. Like growing up, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, I mean occasionally it still kind of happens. Right. Um but like I don't know. I feel I feel like Asian people have been around in New Zealand for long enough now that um people are not surprised when you know someone who looks like me mm. um sounds like me when I speak English, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um so you think the culture here has
0: sort of progressed a, a, in a good way in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I feel like the um just general um culture in the western world Mm. is kind of growing in the sense of like valuing diversity right you know what i mean um and it's kind of i think that's really cool you know like it's not like the idea of eurocentric culture Mm. being the default yeah isn't um isn't as prevalent anymore you know what i mean like it's it's not like people are um being like oh everything european is bad you know but but it's no longer like I don't know. I, I feel like for for a long time it was kinda of like the the goal, right, when I was a kid anyway, was yeah. to like I mean, to put a real fine point on it. Like the yeah. the goal was to, to like be a white person, right? Oh, is that right? Like that is that, that's is that how of, you felt? Yeah, like a lot right. for a lot of us growing up, we were like we just wanted to um I don't know, like the drive to assimilate was really strong. Yeah. And I think at that time what assimilation looked like was like Um, basically trying to be like as white as possible, you know, as white in in air quotes. Is is
0: it as simple as saying that's because of lack of representation in pop culture and in the media, you know, most people on TV shows were white and that sort of thing. Was it that kind of, was that the cause of that Uh, feeling?
1: It's a, it's a, was it more complicated question? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I I think the media like, like definitely has a role to play in it. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's like entirely as simple as being like more representation. Right. Immediately means like you know um, yeah, it changes the way you feel. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I guess it probably would have helped. I mm. think if I was younger and then like seeing a bit more of that in the media, but well, I, I yeah. mean, that,
0: one of the big subjects that that came up in recent years was about Apu on The Simpsons mm. and the fact that he was, you know, really playing up to the stereotype and when that character was created that Mm. was that was really normal Um, but it's become less and less normal over the years and now quite sort of disturbing yeah yeah which is a interesting subject i'd be interested to know what you think about that because the counter argument is that every character on the Simpsons is actually a stereotype, you know, like yeah. Homer is, a. I mean, Homer is actually representing me Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, um, white guys didn't have a problem, you know, mm, and, mm. and the fact that in America, if you were Indian, um, mm. you know, there are assumptions made about you where of course there are plenty of people who are, who are fully American who mm. just have Indian blood, you know, mm. how do you, how do you feel about that subject?
1: Yeah. I, I, it's a good question. Um it's kind of like uh it, it, I guess kind of like what you said about like Homer being a stereotype for like the the white male dad, mm. right? Yeah, exactly. You know, um yeah. but um there's this kind of there's this kind of a thing where like when you are like when when you don't fit into the, like the predominant culture, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost like you're representing all of, um, like your race or your gender yeah, or your group, your orientation or whatever, right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah. um,
0: whereas I walk into a room and I don't represent white guys. I'm yeah, just, yeah, I'm just myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, that, that's yeah. kind of
1: exactly what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's interesting to hear that you feel it's changing here because, you know, obviously mm. there's a lot of conversation about the subject all over the world, mm. but um, it doesn't automatically mean it's changing on the ground, you know, yeah, changing yeah. for real people and their real experiences, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that, I mean, I guess that's quite a positive thing. You're saying that, you know, have you noticed that particularly changing over the last sort of five years or 10 years or something like that?
1: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Probably in the last kind of five years or so, I think like, um yeah people are kind of just generally starting to become a bit more aware of um aware of that kind of thing yeah Yeah, like culturally um like being culturally sensitive and Mm. like just kind of considering it you know and i I Mm. think that's that's really cool yeah and i don't know if it's just because like um the kind of people who i hang out with tend to think about those kinds of things so it becomes a bit of an echo chamber or whatever but like yeah probably a little bit you know but yeah. but at the same time like, yeah.
0: your your everyday life is not just with those people right yeah yeah you know i mean we all we all mingle with lots of people as we just live do mm. things you know yeah, yeah.
1: and good. i guess like maybe a, a good indicator of the fact that it's changing is mm. like when uh when something like that happens and i it, like it seems kind of like oh that's it seems a bit shocking you know or not maybe not shocking but a bit um it seems unusual what when what happened yeah like like when okay so recently um so i went to get my covid vaccine recently oh, yeah. um and so I walked in and i was like hey how's your day and um the lady administering my shot was like oh yeah good how's your english and i was like what, what? yeah and i was like what
0: <laughs> you know like
1: and it was really like unsettling right because that yeah. kind of thing doesn't really happen that much anymore
0: and so what do you me, think right? her intention was was she like was it a really misguided joke or was there uh, a loaded dig or something like what do you where do? You think she was coming from
1: well uh, that's that's the thing like i, I don't know right? I, I don't think
0: because <laughs> as you tell the story because... it seems like complete and utter nonsense like it made no sense you know
1: yeah which is kind of what <laughs> yeah maybe that's just kind of part of what i found confusing right like yeah. because i asked how's your day so you can hear what my english Yeah. Is exactly. like, right? yeah but, <laughs> so i'm guess maybe she was trying to make a joke or something but like missed the mark or <laughs> right but you know like like <laughs> <laughs> i'm only laughing because it's stupid yeah you know? yeah
0: yeah i mean d- did you experience much uh you know what you would call racism Mm. as a kid or growing up.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that, like when Mm. I was growing up, you know, like, um, I guess like the assumption that you wouldn't be able to speak English or Mm. people feeling surprised. Like if I said something and they're like, Oh wow, you can speak English. (laughs) Right. That's cool. Right. And, and, um, I don't know. There was a lot of like just being called names, like all through Mm. school and like being kind of, I don't know. There was just kind of an assumption, you know there were assumptions kind of just like placed on who i would be right yeah and it was kind of it was almost something that i wanted to fight against you know and like i don't know something that i really regret right was Mm. because of that i kind of rejected a lot of aspects of asian culture like food and stuff like right you know like when you you know when you go to school like if you're you know, from a place of privilege like mm. like me, you know, your parents will send you to to school with a packed lunch, right? Yeah. And then, like, when I was younger, like my mum would send me to school with Asian food, right? And like, just the amount of teasing I got from that, I was just like, oh, mum, like, can you just give me sandwiches? Yeah. You know, and then like switch to sandwiches. And now it's like, it's real trendy to go to Barilla Dumpling. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> and so you regret that, you know, pushing away, you know, your identity in a way, I guess. Yeah. You know, and you know, and trying to and, adopt a false identity. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily like a false identity, but like, hmm. you know, uh, uh, trying to shape my identity so that it fit with what society expected of me. Like, right. That's that's the difference, you know?
0: I mean, in saying that though, when you're a kid, you know, mm. you're you you know, you're sort of out in the wild, you know, you're on your own and yeah. and you're in that situation. I mean, if you could go back and be your younger self again, how would you or could you handle it differently? Because you're also just trying to survive, right?
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, would
0: you turn around and tell them to get fucked or what would you do? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I,
1: that's the thing, right? I, still, yeah. I don't really know because yeah. like I think just – like I'm not a very confrontational person. Like mm. I never really have been. Yeah. And I think um a lot of um a lot I mean, maybe not a lot of that, but some of that comes from like Asian culture, Chinese culture, right? Like right. we're kind of raised in a way that is like um So so you know, there's that kind of there's a I don't know where it comes from. It's like a Western or like an American saying it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Yes. Like make a noise mm-hmm. and then like you'll get a benefit, right? You'll get the attention, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But like in Chinese culture, it's the opposite. It's like the nail that sticks up gets the hammer. Oh. So it's like okay. if you... Right. Yeah. So like we're kind of raised to keep our heads down and like not... So you, get, you get penalized stuff. for
0: sort of standing out
1: in yeah, a way. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So does that, does that mean in that culture, there's a lot of stuff that gets tolerated that shouldn't get tolerated? Abusive I, behavior that doesn't get dealt with.
1: I'd say probably, yeah. Mm. You know, like in... in like like a big thing that i think about a lot mm. is like the kind of spectrum of like individuality and like conformity mm. right like cuz i think on the on the real extreme is like american culture like mm. freedom like you be yourself and like if if someone doesn't like you for being who you are then like they can get fucked right yeah yeah but like what if who you are is just a terrible person like is that <laughs> like what what if you should be called out yeah 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 and then on the other side of that there's kind of like this it's like individual uh, individualism and like collectivism right Right. like eastern cultures are a lot more about collectivism so Mm. like what's the greater good and like kind of almost being a bit self-sacrificial to like serve Mm. um like your country or your people or whatever right yeah and like the bad side of that is like you say like there's Bad stuff that happens in a society or in a culture, mm. but because people are kind of raised to um, think of the collective, right? Um, uh, like they're, they're, it doesn't get called out. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah. But how much about the the Eastern culture do you feel you sort of know? Given the fact that you are Kiwi, you yeah. did grow up here. I mean, you're mm. surely you're talking sort of about secondhand information, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know stuff through your family, obviously. yeah. But, yeah. but you haven't grown up there.
1: Right? yeah correct yeah
0: so do you feel like you're sort of torn between
1: you're existing between worlds in a way in a way yeah like it's 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 like you say right the mm. the um like my knowledge and kind of learning of eastern cultures has been through my parents and my family and the way that i have been raised right? yeah yeah um was that very eastern or was that kind of mixed uh it was it was a mix i'd say it's mm. probably more on the eastern yeah side of things right um but yeah, it's it's an interesting one because so most of my parents' family is still back in Malaysia. Mm. So like the interactions that I have with them and like uh, that kind of thing is like, it's kind of gives me a bit more of a window into, into that culture, you know? Yeah. Have you been there
0: much mm. in your life?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when we were growing up, we used to go back kind of every, I don't know, every four years or so. Okay. And then yeah. when I was like, 11 we actually moved to china oh, right. My dad got a job over there oh and you lived there for a while um, yeah so we lived hmm. there for about three years okay yeah yeah so yeah um i guess i kind of got a bit of um a bit more kind of firsthand yeah experience did, you, did yeah. you say when you were 11 you went there yeah right those yeah. are quite interesting years aren't they 11 12
0: mm. 13 i don't know were you what 13 14 when you came back to new zealand yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that those years for me were so informative in my music you know mm. those were the years that i started playing i started writing i started like the bands i listened to back then were sort of the really informative rock bands that
1: yeah kicked yeah.
0: me off in many ways they're not bands i listen to now but it's just such an important like a potent time yeah for, for a kid in music right Hard out. Um, yeah. so if you're if you're you know, taken out of your life here and now you're living in China for those years. Mm. How did, how did that impact you as a person and also you and as a music fan?
1: Mm. That's a, oh, two very good questions. <laughs> um, Take your time. <laughs> yeah. I I think, I think as a, as a person, like definitely, um, I feel like it, it taught me the value of being adaptable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, um, going somewhere that's like completely foreign to where I've grown up, yeah, um, and then learning to like, uh, like live in there and adapt to the culture and like um, make new friends and mm. and all that sort of stuff was right. like, um, I, I, yeah, I don't maybe I didn't really get it at the time, you know, like, okay. but yeah. like reflecting back on it, I think it did shape that because and then coming back here, mm. it was like it was almost like a weird like culture shock again were were you were you
0: already pretty good at making friends were you quite a social person um
1: good question i don't know i i feel like i'm definitely on the introverted side of the spectrum Mm -hmm. Um, not
0: uncommon for artists right
1: yeah 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 yeah. um but yeah i I don't know i kind of just managed to do it somehow (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what about the music
0: side of it um the music side of it so i don't really know what it's like um living in in china in terms of what music you're then exposed to like if mm. you're just listening to the same kind of pop radio that everyone else listens to Mm. or if you if there's you know if you sort of take in a different side of i mean do, do you really hear a lot of traditional music there or other types of music there when you're living there um
1: Nowadays, I I really don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean for you. But you? I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was living there, yeah. So I went to I went to an international school. Okay. Um. So there were people there from like all around the world, mm. and I think like. It was pretty. It's interesting to think about because I don't know how a lot of. Like a lot of the music that I was listening to was like, American stuff. Right. Yeah. But this was like, you know when it was like 56k dial-up was your standard kind of internet (laughs) speed. So I don't know how it kind of was like dispersed, you know what I mean? Yeah. um, But we were definitely like trading mix CDs and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. But I don't know how that music itself actually got there. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What kind of year are we talking? So this would have been 2001. Okay. Yeah, so very
0: yeah. early days of the internet. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. But still, uh, uh you know,
0: the the world was pretty connected by then, you know. Yeah. I think there was a bit of a delay in some countries, wasn't there, with you know, certain albums. I think am I right in saying that about China, that China kind of opened up somewhere, maybe before then and mm. and they caught up really quickly on what had been going on in music. <laughs> Is that fair? Uh I'm not really sure to be honest. I yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. remember if it's China or somewhere else. Someone else told me about that, how Um, Yeah, a lot of Western music didn't get in for the longest time. Mm. And then it's almost like they had this really like like fast forward kind of catch up right right, right. they they went through the phases they got into van halen like 20 years too late you know know? and then they're like hey the grunge movement happened but by then it was like 1999 kind of thing
1: right yeah interesting yeah (laughs) Yeah, i don't know if that's true or not i think maybe i've got my country wrong i'm not sure Mm. i mean it sounds it sounds plausible right like because for a long time china was really like isolated Mm. culturally isolated like almost deliberately so i Mm. think yeah you know Poli- politically as well politically, right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah um but yeah i think in recent times it's it's gotten a lot more kind of yeah 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 just like, like everywhere more. really mm. yeah
0: um so w- where did this uh, um, pop star for dorks thing come from
1: <laughs> yeah so that was like a. um so i feel like i i really enjoy pop music right like yeah. it's i love the way it sounds and i love like all of the kind of like the sound design of pop music is like awesome right yeah like production and production, all that yeah. yeah yeah um and like i I think I'm a just kind of like a nerdy person, right, <laughs> but I think pop music in general is not um a lot of it is not really for nerdy people i agree (laughs) yeah and i've got an opinion on that mm.
0: yeah well i mean i'll just jump in then yeah yeah i'd love to hear it well my opinion is not so much about pop music but it's that music used to be for the kind of outsiders Mm. you know like the the kind of the weirdos of society they were the ones that would go into the shed and practice and practice and practice and become incredible musicians yeah and if you met a lot of really famous musicians and artists they were usually quite odd Mm. you know Um, but somewhere along the way music has been taken over by cool people yeah 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 and and now it's like an industry full of cool people Mm. and it's like those were the fuckers that we didn't like at school You know what I mean? And now they're the ones in the fucking music industry, you know. And I'm like, what happened? Like this was the safe place for for nerds and and Mm. and so on. So that that I mean, it it bugs me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I remember when I was at school, it was all of the odd, eccentric, and strange people that joined bands or the drama club. Mm. And it was like, I found my people. Yeah, the jocks can go fuck themselves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's a personal gripe of mine.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely I'm with you on that one. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, there there was like a really nice uh a quote that R and Z said about me and they said it's like uh it's the mainstream for the misfits. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like that's kind of what I want to be doing. It's because like, right. I feel like people uh who feel like you and me, right? Mm. Like who feel kind of like weird and like yeah, not really understood by mainstream society, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. we're not precluded from enjoying what pop music sounds like. Not at all. You know what I mean? And I think it would be, so I'm trying to like mash those two kind of worlds together. Totally. Yeah. So how do you
0: define and do you define the difference between a nerd and a geek and
1: a dork? Mm. Uh, I don't know. To me, they're kind of like interchangeable. I feel like maybe geek is kind of like, it's maybe it has more like connotations of, like someone who really likes to deep dive into something. If you're like a real, like if you're, if you're a real geek about something, like you, you have a lot of knowledge about that thing. Yeah. Whereas maybe nerd is like kind of similar, but also you're just not, cool person or something (laughs) (laughs) that's what i think too i think
0: a nerd is someone who's sort of a bit different and maybe socially awkward or different Mm. or whatever um where i totally agree a geek is someone who gets into something like if you're a star trek geek you Mm. know or if you're a drummer geek or whatever um it's more about obsession you know yeah Um, but i'm not entirely sure where dork fits into all of this
1: (laughs) yeah maybe it's more on like the nerd right side of it yeah um but it's also like I don't know. I feel like maybe you can use it in a in a loving way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: remember thinking about it at school though, and thinking, well, I mean, I don't know if anyone ever called me a nerd or anything at school. I think mm. I was um, uh, not that type of person, but I definitely wasn't one of the cool kids. Yeah. Um, but I remember thinking about the cool kids, and I'm thinking, like, those guys are just assholes. <laughs> if that, t- if if I have to be like that to be popular, I don't want to be popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and then I thought going to the effort that they have to go to 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 stay popular mm. to me seemed really pathetic right <laughs> yeah, and i just yeah. thought you guys are lame and i and so i started to change my definition of what i thought cool was i, mm. I started to think that cool was just doing whatever you wanted yeah and being yeah. yourself you know mm-hmm. so like now when i think of like a nerd or, yeah. a, or or any of these terms i just think of an individual mm. and I'd, I'd rather hang out with them
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: than someone who's desperately trying to keep up you know mm. so I, I mean does it deserve such a um, a, a deprecating, um, name,
1: but yeah, I, but I guess, yeah, I, I guess I guess you're reframing right. it yeah. though, aren't you? I think that's yeah. kind of yeah, <laughs> kind of what I yeah trying to take that back, like you yeah like you're saying yeah.
0: I mean, is it is it a um like a defence mechanism? You know, subconsciously perhaps that you're buying into, or or is it more of a kind of an identity? Like this is your angle, mm. your angle on the whole thing.
1: It's a good question. Um I think I think the angle thing probably comes into it a little bit, you know. Like yeah. I think um as as musicians or artists, I think maybe more so artists than musician. Like you have to think of like your um brand? Like your brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um which like I don't know, like I th- I do think it kind of sucks that we have to think about that but like Mm. you know the the fact of the matter is that music is still an industry like Mm. it's a hard out industry that's right um so like i think what the the way that i kind of came around to this was like how do i um make like how do i keep it so that it's like it it remains authentic you Mm. know what i mean because i i don't think i could play the character of like a cool person you know like making pop music like it would just you would just immediately be able to tell that i'm not (laughs) you know right yeah yeah so you feel more authentic
0: playing it this way than the other way kind of thing
1: yeah Yeah. i feel more authentic and i feel like i you know i can actually just be who i am and like and it and it have it have it make sense with with the branding <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know?
0: I, I mean i i gotta say i do like it because it because it feels a little punk rock to me mm-hmm. yeah it feels like a, a, a sort of a rebellious statement right like, yeah, like yeah. screw it this is who i am deal with it mm. you know and i and i like that i like oh, an, anyone that pushes against like trying to be cool i'm totally down with it. <laughs> oh I appreciate that thanks, <laughs> yeah man. yeah but it does feel it does feel more um authentic and i and it reminds me what you were just saying about the brand side of things like i know the the concept of brand is pretty it's sort of gotten out of control these days in a way but at the same time i remember many years ago i was in a band with this guy and he was um he was a nice guy but he was a real eccentric and recluse kind of guy and um he had no sense of fashion you know Mm. no his he had a you know um everything about him was just without any thought without any what he put on what the clothes he put on was mm. probably just the closest clothes in the room at the time <laughs> like they, they, he had just no thought about it at all and um and we did a couple of photo shoots for the band and we were talking about our image and this particular mm. band had so many problems with image our drummer dressed like a hockey player yeah. um our bass player dressed like uh like a sports like a kind of a limp biscuit sport combination backwards
1: hat yeah yeah, exactly that like basketball jersey (laughs) exactly that yeah yeah Yeah.
0: and um and i was like fully trying to look like a musician and we had this guy who looked like he just walked out of the bush yeah and um and i remember saying to the guys like we've got we've got to look like a band you know i mean we don't have to go nuts but we've got to look like we're actually we at at least know each other (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) and um and this guy goes um yeah i don't care about things like that i don't care about looks and and Mm. image and i said yeah, but you you got to understand that whatever goes on the photo is how people will read you. Mm. So the at, you've at least got to try and look like yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: if you want to look like you're homeless, then that's great. You're yeah. pulling it off. But is mm. that what you want to look like? You know mm. what I mean? So it's kind of like he had taken the the opposite to branding, but taken it so far the other way that he was doing himself a disservice. Yeah, true. I think
1: yeah. it's it's an interesting one, eh? Because yeah. I feel like as as musicians and songwriters and artists and stuff like we really are kind of sold on this idea that um it should be all about the art Mm. you know it's like if the music is great um if you write great songs if you have good material Mm. then everything else is kind of like it doesn't matter yeah but like i don't know it's and it almost feels like Taboo or dirty to admit that it's not right sometimes, right? Like sometimes you have to have like, or you have to put some thought into a a brand identity and a look and an aesthetic and stuff like that. It's the same as the conversation about
0: money. Yeah. You know, there's this there's this weird attitude that floats around that we should apologize for getting paid. You know, or we shouldn't be interested in getting paid, or or we shouldn't value ourselves that way. I always think, why? We're the only industry in the world that has to defend ourselves for getting paid. Yeah. (laughs) But you should love it. You should be in it for the love of it. Like I do love it, Mm. but I also like money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's really hard for musicians to make money. So I think why why are we hung up on that? You know? Mm. Um, and branding is just sensible business isn't it Mm. you know you you're you you make your music that's great but you still need to actually make money you need to present yourself you know i mean i don't understand the problem to me it seems like some sort of weird puristic idealism that's crept in
1: yeah and and i think it's like the the ironic thing about that is Mm. that it super benefits like people like major labels exactly right (laughs) they keep us dumb yeah 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 because it's like by continuing to frame the idea of like music or like an artistic pursuit as something that should be done yeah. purely for its own inherent worth. That's right. It allows the people who are like on the business side yeah. to be like, yeah, all right, well I'll, I'll take that yeah. and I'll also take the money. I
0: remember doing a gig uh, for charity once and Mm. it was at a a stadium and i was up on so we were not getting paid obviously and um we're up on stage and i was playing away and as i was playing i was looking around at all of the all of the stuff that was there Mm. and i and there were there was like fencing and there was like security guards and portaloos and there were vendors selling drinks and food and all these different things so i thought there's no way any of these people are doing this for free. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. put the stage, like someone got paid to put the stage up, you know, mm, the sound mm. crew, they were doing it for money, I'm sure. They might have yeah, given yeah. them a discount or something. Mm. But it just hit me in that moment. We're the only chumps doing this for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is that musicians generally are the ones who make the least money anyway. Mm. So why are we always having to, to, to work for free yeah, for yeah. these causes? And I, and I think that extends to the point you just made is that it's actually to the benefit of the wrong side of the music industry yeah to make to to pressure us to not ask for too much yeah you know and now we have all of these i mean we we always had that dynamic um in one way or another but Mm -hmm. you know i mean we're just supposed to suck it up and deal with the fact that we don't get paid properly from streaming yeah you know and that we barely get paid properly at gigs and things like that you know and i I don't know why musicians aren't more pissed about it
1: yeah (laughs) it's it's a good point, man I, I don't really know either maybe, Like yeah. maybe it is just like it, It's hard to like Go against society's expectations Or perceptions of mm. How you should be, right?
0: Yeah Well, I feel like we're all afraid of burning bridges too mm. So we go I don't know if musicians generally feel unified You know, Mm. um, I think if someone stands up and says something, everyone else runs for cover. (laughs) And so we kind of let them, you know, crucify themselves. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel I've always felt like if musicians supported each other more and backed each other up more, Mm. um, it would be better for us.
1: True. That's Mm. interesting. So like in terms of the, like the music community and stuff like that, you haven't, you haven't felt like it's as supportive as...
0: Um, well I'm talking like, or... specifically about things like money and right. you know, experiences at gigs and gotcha. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, um, you know, we we tend to go to gigs and uh off, we're often asked to play in unsafe circumstances. Yeah. Lack of security or out in the rain or whatever and we kinda go, Oh, okay. You yeah. know. Um, or there's little to no money involved, and it costs us money to practice and buy gear and buy sticks and strings and things, and we just go, okay, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there are there are all these sort of yeah, there are these situations where we sign bad deals, and um, I don't know, just stuff like that. But we, I, I just feel like we should all be talking more, you know. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that if someone goes to a venue and says that's not acceptable, yeah. We we don't we we shouldn't be put in physical danger to play music. Yeah. You know the more people say that the more attitudes will have to change mm. but because we don't stand up for ourselves as musicians
1: yeah yeah
0: people get away with it yeah i've never known why
1: yeah true <laughs> i've always that's been the good, person yeah. who's
0: ranting and raved about this stuff yeah so um i've never known why I, you know i mean i've got a group of people around me now who are more like-minded mm-hmm. <laughs> probably that's one of the reasons why they're my friends because I right. because i feel like i'm in my company but um but yeah, it, it it's always seemed odd to me that we don't stand up for ourselves.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, do you feel like you've got a community around you or do you feel like a, a bit of a um like a lone cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> um
1: no, I I think yeah, I I feel like I've got a good kind of community of people around me. Like yeah. I, I think especially in in um pop music nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um the idea of um, like independent pop music is like way more of a thing now than it used to be, I think. Right, yeah. Right? And like, there's loads of people who are just like, you know, well, let's let's write together, let's produce a song together, let's do stuff together. Like there's loads of collaboration in that mm. sort of space, right? And then I think in the the kind of like indie scene, like the Karanga Hape Road scene, like that's kind of where I, I guess kind of... Um, like cut my teeth in the auckland mm-hmm. music community right so yeah. there's i still have a lot of close con like close friends kind of from there right um what's well, the k road scene i'm not
0: aware of this scene like um like whammy bar and those sorts of yeah things. like whammy
1: yeah. wine cellar like just the kind of diy indie aesthetic you know yeah mm. i noticed that um
0: well, i was watching a couple of your music videos and i noticed that you're um well as far as i can tell uh quite a guitar player is that fair do you consider yourself to be quite a guitar player
1: uh not really like a. I wouldn't say that I'm like a a shredder kind yeah, of yeah. guitar player, but like I'm a. Neither am I. Uh, <laughs> <weird>. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm much more of like a rhythm, mm. rhythm guitar player. Like in like when it comes to electric electric guitar, especially like I love like funk guitar. Like yeah. that's where a lot of my guitar playing influence kind of comes from. Right? Yeah. yeah. Who, are, who are
0: your Who are your favorite guitar
1: players then? Oh man, favorite guitar players. I'm a big uh, Steve Cropper guy from booker Who's, t and the mgs all right yeah, yeah. yeah um david williams so he played a lot of rhythm guitar on like michael jackson's stuff like um yep. oh, what is that song like you'll know the sound when you hear it like that that single note palm you're like like that's all him i totally know that sound that's actually one of my biggest
0: influences yeah yeah, yeah i was super into michael jackson as a kid mm. yeah and then yeah. like which, all the uh, which, which, stuff. which
1: album was he on which Michael Jackson album. I feel me. like he was on loads of them. But right, like that, right. um, what song is that from? It's like Wanna Be Starting Something, I yeah. think. Yeah, it is. So that was like, I think, so he was like one of the first guitarists who were like, brought like rhythm guitar to the front of mm. the sound, you know? Yeah. Because I think before it was kind of like, you know, when you listen to like rhythm guitar on Motown Records, yep. you're, placed, you're basically just hitting with the snare, right? Yeah. Chunk. yep the skank yeah yeah but like mm-hmm. um having well it's almost like a rhythm guitar like solo or mm. like a feature or a spotlight on the rhythm guitar like he was kind of yeah. one of the first players to do that i think
0: yeah that's really cool because you're mm. referencing all the same stuff that i like oh so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love um i love funk guitar i love the palm muting rhythmic stuff in michael jackson yeah. and i'm massive into motown yeah, yeah yeah and that was that was like where i started in my childhood brain Mm. with music you know like my earliest memories of music are just hearing motown and going what's that you know um and i was i was i was too late i'm too young to have been there really in the motown era Mm. because i I guess that was like 60s 70s yeah um
1: um,
0: but it was still like being played loads on the radio and stuff Mm. but like it seems more abstract for you to have gotten into it because you would have been you know a kid much later than me. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. how did you discover so, Motown and everything?
1: Yeah, so a lot of that comes from uh, from my dad. Oh, yeah. So my dad lived in London in the 70s. Yeah. Um, So he picked up a lot of, like, that kind of British, um, I don't know, I suppose it wasn't British invasion if it was in, <laughs> if he was in the UK.
0: <laughs> they invaded themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, that kind of stuff. And then I guess as well, like, there was a lot of, like, American music being played over in the UK as well. Mm. So he yeah. was, like, big into... Motown and mm. those sorts of like stacks as well, like those yeah. kinds of um, those kinds of sounds. Did he play as well? So um, no, not really. Mm. Um, yeah, I think he he knows like a couple of chords on the guitar. Yeah, um, but I don't think he ever really like pursued it. You know. Yeah, but, um, and
0: when did you start playing?
1: I started I started guitar when I was thirteen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then how did the sort of aspirations to pursue music as a career
1: kick in um yeah to be honest i don't know like i can't really pinpoint a moment where i was like you know like that i feel like i listen to a lot of interviews with like musicians and mm. artists and they're like as soon as i picked up a guitar i knew that i was going to <laughs> yeah, you know yeah but i don't know. i never really had that kind of moment um right it's i just kind did of did you have the moment later or you just never thought about it I don't know, actually. I, I still, I still don't know if I've ever really sat down and been like, "Why do I continue doing this?" <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why, why do I keep doing this really difficult thing? Right. Yeah. But, exactly. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't know, because I played in bands and stuff mm. um, through school, um, but I was always just like the guitar player. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't sing at all. Like I was, um, I tried doing backing vocals for one of the bands that I was in. Yeah. Um, and literally, they were like, "You gotta stop, man! Like, you just like they're like, just play guitar." <laughs> so you got banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, just don't worry about the backing vocal thing. Like, just just play guitar.
0: Yeah. Well, how did how did that evolve then? Because um, obviously now
1: you're a singer. Yeah. So, yeah now yeah. I'm a singer, which is like super weird to think about. Yeah. Because it was it was when I wanted when I kind of started writing songs mm. because like up to that point I'd always played um, other songs like the the other people in the band were the ones who wrote and yeah. i would just learn them and play. Right? right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know why I decided that I wanted to try and write a song. Yeah. And then I did it. And then I was like, it feels weird to have somebody else sing this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah. So I was like, I guess I just have to learn how to sing. Yeah. And yeah, I was just so, so bad. And it was like a long <laughs> as like, Battle to try and, like, learn, you know?
0: <laughs> and what kind of age were you when you first started to write, when you wrote this first song?
1: Um, I would have been, like, 17, okay. 18. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you're a few years into playing. Mm. So your playing was obviously, you're feeling more confident and comfortable with your playing now.
1: Yeah, I guess yeah. I felt like I had a handle on the guitar as an instrument. Right, you know?
0: yeah. Because yeah. when I started playing guitar, I started singing straight away. So right. I learned to coordinate both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it would be like to play guitar for five years or so and then... Mm try and sing while you played guitar.
1: Yeah. Like, was yeah. that
0: was that a bit of a thing to figure out?
1: Yeah. It was real hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. weird now to think back because it feels very natural, right? Right. Like unless I'm trying to play something that's deliberately difficult and sing at the same time. Yeah.
0: Which takes extra work, like yeah, right? yeah. planning and so on. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, like playing bass and singing at the same time. I don't know if you find this difficult, mm-hmm. but I find playing bass and singing at the same time real hard. It's much harder. Because like... I feel like I'm thinking about single notes with my hands yeah. and also thinking about single notes with my voice well
0: also on the guitar yeah. you've got the luxury of this the strumming motion mm. you know especially if you're sort of funk like it mm. sounds like we both are Yeah, um, you can just Set your arm in motion and sort of forget about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the bass doesn't have that luxury. Mm. You know, unless I guess unless you're playing with a pick. But yeah, yeah, Um, but if you're playing with your fingers, you're you're playing more like a piano, where you yeah, you just, you just move when you want to hear the note, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I've always thought that was harder. I don't know. Mm. If, I don't know if bassists would agree with that comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like real bassists. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a guitar player who pretends to be a bassist sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did you get your voice um to evolve then? If you I mean, did you think your voice was bad? Were these- oh yeah. Oh right. Okay. So yeah. yeah. What, what didn't you like about it then?
1: I mean, I just couldn't. I just couldn't sing in tune. <laughs> like <laughs> right. it was like yeah. Couldn't <laughs> yeah. sing in tune. Like just bad kind of tone and like yeah, vocal control and all that. Like just didn't come naturally to me. And like, so I I think I was lucky in the sense that I kind of started getting into, well, I started getting interested in recording music at around the same time. Mm-hmm. So like. I got I, I got like a real immediate feedback loop because it's like I'm writing a song and then I'll sing it and yeah. record it, listen back to it, and be like, "Oh, it's so bad." <laughs> yeah, right. Because, but you can you can like being removed from it like that, mm. I think gives you the ability to like listen a bit more objectively and like it frees up that part of your brain yeah. to just be listening because when you're singing or like whenever you're doing something, it's hard to do the thing and also assess how well you're doing it totally agree yeah yeah um
0: i had the same experience but i wasn't mm. in the internet age and i wasn't in you know we didn't have that the um the technology we have now so for me it was um there was a particular gig i did where someone um handed me a cassette and they had just like recorded the mix off the desk it was terribly i mean it wasn't mixed for the recording you know yeah yeah yeah. um and that changed my life because it was Fucking terrible, <laughs> and um, and I I still have that recording somewhere. On the odd occasion, I will listen to it, and I remember, like, I remember that the way I shaped that word, yeah, annoyed me so much that I mm. really like worked on my technique. Yeah, yeah, um But I think some for some reason I was pretty good at being honest with myself, and it yeah. sounds like you were too. But I know a lot of people will hear recordings of themselves and be like, "I'm super amazing."
1: Or right, yeah. the other
0: way, it's just they'll think that the whole thing's terrible, you know? Yeah. So uh, do you feel like you're quite good at self-critiquing then?
1: Mm, I. Yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, right? Like, hmm. I, I think because I learned guitar by ear, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. um, which, did you as well? Did you learn? Uh, I had a couple of teachers that were...
0: Um, kind of helpful and unhelpful at the same time right and i gave up on both of them when i was pretty young and then i was playing on stage from when i was 12 and for me what happened was um you know i was away i was playing you know Mm. but um i developed some pretty bad habits because i didn't know any better so i had some big flaws in my technique and i got quite stuck in my playing Mm. i kind of got to about 18 or 19 and i feel like i hit a ceiling and i couldn't get better yeah um and i the way my career unfolded, I happened to end up working with some pretty serious players, yeah. so I was able to, to kind of ask them, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, know, cool. what do I do?" Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and or or if I didn't ask them directly, I was able to just sort of sit, you know, a few meters away from a couple of you know, pretty serious players and see how they were doing it. But yeah. it, I feel like it took me about five or six years to undo all the bad habits and right. get started again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was self-taught and played by ear in that sense, but then kind of paid the price for it <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah and also at that point i knew very little about theory mm. so i've been you know in the last you know sort of 15 years i've been working pretty hard on getting my music knowledge up
1: yeah 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 are you are you good on the theory side of it uh i'm a lot better now yeah because yeah. so i went to music school oh right for, for a few years yeah um and that's kind of where i i learned most of my like music theory knowledge yeah, yeah. um but, yeah, so, like, zooming back to mm. the whole, like, self-critiquing thing, I yeah. guess, because, like, you know, when you learn by ear, you you learn to get good at listening. Right? That's
0: right. you got nothing else. And I, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I think uh, having learned guitar in that way mm. really helped in terms of, like, teaching myself how to sing. Right. Because I could listen for things and be like, okay, that's not good. Um, and be like, you know, why? Yeah. You know, why? And, and.
0: Which I think is yeah. right because I think if I think the danger of, of learning music, uh, in the traditional sense, like p- just purely learning the theory and going through the grades and everything, is I think sometimes musicians can go through that and not learn how to listen, yeah, and not learn how to be flexible, mm-hmm. and not learn how to go off the page too, because yeah, yeah. some of the greatest moments in music are completely wild, yeah, you know, um, and they can they can sort of see the whole thing as a mathematical grid and and mm. actually not turn their ears on yeah which is something i think is really odd like i've played with musicians in the past who that that end up in the wrong key and they wouldn't even know wow and i wouldn't that's back back in the yeah yeah. i I remember this one particular guy this is a long time ago um but i was playing a kind of a bluesy thing but I was playing it in a minor key. Yeah. And he went into what he thought of as being, you know, this is what you play when you play blues. And mm. he played like this bluesy riff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of stock standard bluesy riff. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't a major Pintoponic. key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a major key. Right. And um, and I'm playing. And I'm thinking like, surely any minute now he's going to realise, you know, he's hitting the wrong couple yeah, of notes yeah, yeah. there. And he had absolutely no idea. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember talking to him about it afterwards. Um, trying to be like, did you notice that that sounded weird? And he went, no. Nah and I just wow. thought what like I, don't, I, just, I just couldn't understand that mm-hmm. you know because like you I had nothing but my ears at first <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah it's an interesting one eh like I feel like the the ultimate would be to have both of them like at
0: yeah oh you know, I know people like, like that like, mm, yeah. yeah yeah it's
1: yeah. it's real cool man like yeah. uh, it, and kind of like you say like surrounding yourself with real good players yeah. is like so good for you in like Absolutely. both respects like yeah. Uh, yeah like a lot of my real good friends Um, Are all like You know Auckland Uni And Massey Like jazz school Mm. Kids And like Yeah there's I don't know There's something I think about Learning to play jazz For three years Mm. Like that Gives you a real good Grounding in both Right You know Because like you say Like some of the best moments Of music are just made up Yeah And like most of jazz is just making it up
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah well there seems to be a big shift as well in the
0: sense that <clears throat> when i was a teenager i was a teenager in the 90s and and yeah. the attitude then was like um at least i mean I, I i guess i can't speak to the whole world but at mm. least in my little community yeah. the attitude was very anti that stuff anti-jazz you know? like anti-jazz anti-theory anti-reading sp- mm. you know um anti um, anti elaborate guitar solos, you yeah, know, the grunge, yeah. the grunge movement was sort of like punk part two. Mm. And if you showed up and played too well, you'd get fired. Right. Right. You know? And if you started oh. talking about modes, they'd, yeah, they'd yeah. laugh at you. Fuck. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know what <laughs> I mean? Like it was super uncool mm. to do that sort of, to talk on those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the attitude was defiant. It was like, we don't yeah. need that shit. You mm. know, the Beatles didn't learn how to read music. It was a very defensive attitude. Yeah. True. Um, and I got swept up in that. That's where, that's kind of where I started. And, um, yeah. The problem was I started listening to bands that were really sophisticated <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and I was trying to work out how to play like them. Yeah. You know, I loved Stevie Wonder and I loved, mm. you know, Sting and The Police and that kind of stuff. Mm. And I'm like, what is that chord? Andy Summers just played, you know, yeah. yeah um, but yeah. I had no idea what it was because I didn't know anything. Mm. Um, but I know, but it seems these days it's the complete opposite. It seems like the young people coming up now, they know everything. Mm. They've grown, they've grown up in the era of knowledge and they can yeah. access everything on the internet. And, mm. you know, I mean yeah it's 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 interesting because um it's interesting that it's so different but it's it's also interesting that it doesn't make anything easier because you can have knowledge and still not actually know what
1: to do yeah yeah like it's the application <laughs> of it right? right yeah
0: yeah like what do you feel like is your is the um the challenge for musicians of your generation in terms of getting from the bedroom to the stage whoa
1: i don't know <laughs> i really don't know um I I guess like live music in general seems to be shrinking, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and like maybe the um like the aspirations of playing live are not as big as they used to be.
0: That's an interesting point.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I think it used yeah. to be like, hey, let's make a band and like, let's play some shows, right? That's because that that's all there was. Kind of, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I feel like lately, it's more like, hey, let's make a band and like, or like, let's record some songs as myself or whatever as a yeah. solo artist. Yeah. And let's put them on the internet. Right. You know, or get them on Spotify. And so it's, it's
0: more of a virtual thing. Mm,
1: and it's it's interesting as well, seeing it happen like within the like New Zealand music industry, right? Like, yeah. Like in pop, there's artists who have, like, millions upon millions of streams on Spotify, right? Mm. Um, and they, like, get placed on all the big playlists and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I saw recently there was an artist, one you know, who makes pop and, like, has lots and lots and lots of Spotify plays. Mm. And they're like, hey, I'm playing my first show. <laughs> right. And I was like, ah. you know, that's so... <laughs> It's it's it seems incredible, right? And it's, they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm playing at Whammy Backroom on a Wednesday. Right. Which which is so like I don't know, that's so buzzy to me to think yeah. that like you can have you know millions of people listening to you mm. like every month on Spotify. Yeah. And then you f- haven't played a show and then your first show is a Wednesday night in like a 100 cap room. Right. Yeah. I find that really buzzy. Or well, what about, about? Those, the yeah. what
0: about the pop stars who become famous and and you know have massive singles and so on and their first gig is at a stadium. Yeah, yeah, or, that's even more <laughs> or, insane. Eh? Yeah. Or, or at a, an arena, mm. you know. Yeah, it's not yeah. uncommon these days as mm. well, you know. Uh what was your experience, I man? Were you gigging um with the bands you were playing in as a teenager Were mm. were they actually playing shows or was it more just jamming and rehearsing and stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, we yeah. definitely were we playing shows. Right. So um, you're kind of yeah. old school in that
0: sense. I guess yeah, in <laughs> a <way>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. And what is um what was the is, I mean I guess somewhere along the way you had to kind of um, deal with the reality of leaving school and going to music college Mm. and sort of thinking about where you wanted to go what you wanted to do I mean was there is there another career path in the background as well or was it all music
1: yeah so I I didn't actually go to music school straight out of um, college so I went to I went to engineering school yeah Um, so that's still what I do at the moment so Mm. I'm a product designer yep um and so i do that part-time which is really nice mm-hmm. um so that kind of i guess gives me a bit of you know stability yeah. yeah and like i think yeah i'm i'm very um yeah it's something that i'm very grateful to have you yeah know? yeah and like it doesn't seem as like i don't know like part of me was like Oh, it's it's not like as romantic as the idea of like living Bohemian and (laughs) and that kind of a that kind of a thing. But Mm -hmm. like in in some ways it kind of enables me to make the art that I want to make. Right. You know? Yeah. Um,
0: but I think it's really uncommon these days for people to purely live off, you know, just being an original artist, for example. Hard art, yeah, yeah. I think it's almost it almost never happens unless you're talking about huge you know successful pop acts that's right and they're few and far between Mm. you know I mean I mean, it's one of the things I think we've established over all these, you know, 120 something episodes we've done on this podcast is yeah, that yeah. basically everyone has a-
1: another job. Yeah, well, that is exactly right. I was going to a- say and it's and the title of the podcast. exactly
0: right? <laughs> yeah. And maybe, and some, for some of them, the other job is still in music, mm. but they'll, they'll work, let's say, in an office somewhere mm. for a company that does something with music or they'll be teaching or something like that. Yeah. But they're very rarely just playing gigs. Yeah. You know, or even if they're just making money playing covers, you know, yeah. it's still not just writing songs. You know, mm. I think that, um, is one of the great myths about the music industry. Yeah. You know, that you can just write a profound song and suddenly money shows up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if, I mean, do you feel like your generation still thinks like that?
1: Mm. Or do you feel like they're more grounded? Good question. Um, I don't know. I I think because like I've um, kind of grown up in the era of the internet so like it's kind of maybe a bit different right because maybe previously the the big like pipe dream or whatever would have been to get picked up by a major label and then where you go right whereas nowadays it's more like um having like a viral hit you know like that seems to be what a lot of people are like um that that seems to be the um the goal like oh not maybe not the goal but like you know the 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 mythical fast track i see yeah yeah. you know what i mean like because Mm -hmm. you know like get in the same way that getting signed to a major label back in the day would not necessarily guarantee success but like it Mm -hmm. was really framed that way yeah and similarly now it's like having a viral hit does not necessarily mean uh immediate success and like that you're Mm -hmm. going to be making a shitload of money, (laughs) but it seems that way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's always been that kind of um, there's always been some kind of perception, which has been incredibly misguided and in the old music industry, you're absolutely right. The idea was and I grew up in this mindset too, like you get the record deal and then everything sorted out. Yeah. You know, you've got the career, you've got the fans, you've got the money, the whole thing's sorted out. But natural fact, the 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 stats were totally stacked against you. Mm. You know, the success rate of, of signed artists was something like 1%. Yeah. You know, I mean it was really really hard. That was just mm. the beginning of the process. Mm. And a lot of very successful bands didn't do it that way anyway. Yeah. You know, um and I don't know if it's actually changed. I think it's just a different Perception now,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, uh, and it's. But I remember noticing a few years ago that younger people were less focused on the record deal, and I found that to be I was quite pleased. Mm. <laughs> but now I'm worried about the the idea of um, number of likes and number of streams and so on. That yeah. that idea that that leads to anything because I still I'm you know I rattle on about it on the podcast a bit, but I still don't see the conversion. Mm. I don't see how it turns into anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the career plan is, and and. You obviously are quite perceptive about the industry and how it it's changed and so on. Um, one of the questions that I was thinking about before was um, when I was coming up, the music industry was still in the kind of the old version. Mm-hmm. And so you still did believe that myth. Um, now the industry has been in this state of upheaval and decline for many years. Mm-hmm. So for someone like yourself... It, it, it makes me wonder why you even bother <laughs> like because it's kind of like hey look there's a ship that's sinking I think I'll get on that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah did, did, well yeah did you did you see it that way or did you mm, find your find some
1: other kind of positivity somehow yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's an interesting question actually like um, I, I think that it, it's like the, the traditional music industry is like you say like it's kind of kind of um, I don't know may- maybe recently it's started to see a bit of a resurgence with like streaming and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, at that time it was it really did seem like it was just in like a death spiral right? yeah, yeah, but I think at the same time as that was happening um, as I was growing up, we were seeing a lot of uh, people finding alternative ways to make music and be heard by people like right. YouTube was a real big thing like youtube now is way different to what it was like Mm. um like 10 years ago like like, absolutely right like the level of production value and stuff that's on youtube now is just like it's like it's youtube is like it's like the new tv Mm. right yeah but at that time it was like people would just record stuff on like their webcam or Mm. like their little uh like, remember when, like, compact pocket cameras were a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And you could record video for, like, three minutes, and it was, like, <laughs> 140p or whatever. Right, yeah. And, like, everything on YouTube was, like, that quality of production value. Mm. But it meant that the people who were, like, really, really good at what they were doing, mm. like, they could just punch through that low production value, and then people would discover them.
0: Because it was kind of an even playing field, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, everyone was in the same boat, really. Mm. It was a very... Um, nice thing when it started yeah it was smaller you know that's right yeah and um and it was nice when there weren't so many ads yeah <laughs> <laughs> now the ads do my head in mm. yeah so what's the career um trajectory been like for you like has it been like a do you feel like it's been an even ascent because i feel like a few years ago i heard your name floating around and mm. i and i wasn't sure whether that you had a sort of a moment there or, or, or if i just heard about you i don't know what, what was going on
1: yeah it it I think there was kind of a. It was kind of one of those moment mm. things. Like, um, so after I finished music school, this is like twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, I was like feeling pretty burnt out on music, and I was like, I don't really want to. Don't know what I want to do with this right thing. So like, I took some time off from doing my own music. So mm. I was basically, um, producing for other people, which is I still do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So I I was like. So I just kinda of took some time out from making my own music. Yeah. And then um I did a so I do some camera stuff as well. Like I do photo and video
0: oh cool work. Yeah. Um, Brilliant.
1: And I ended up working at um do you know Kieran McMeekin? Yeah. Have you met him? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So his album at when he was recording that at Roundhead with mm. Greg. Mm. Um I got called in to shoot like behind the scenes right. on that. Gotcha. Yeah, um, and one of my closest friends is nicky P oh yeah, yeah. cool yeah. yeah he's awesome eh? He, no, he's yeah lovely dude. yeah he, um, super talented man yeah. watching him work on pro tools on <laughs> that session i was like Pff.
0: oh i know he's ridiculous like, yeah yeah have you ever had a conversation with him about things like reverb
1: no i, re- I haven't really, re- really huh?
0: the relationships between reverbs right you know and relationships between compression and things mm-hmm. like that he, his mind is yeah yeah sometimes yeah. i chat to him all the time and sometimes i just don't know what he's talking about yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the blank mm. look yeah anyway yeah, you're yeah. saying yeah yeah
1: so i was in roundhead basically um covering behind the scenes for that for that record yeah and i think just being in the studio and like immersed in music mm. for like you know all day every day for a couple of weeks mm. i was like oh man like i i want to do this again you know like it something just kind of like sparked in me and i was like man i want to get back into get back into doing this. So yeah. like I kind of started writing songs again and like making stuff. Mm. Um and then I just decided to hit up Greg because he's like he's a really nice dude. Like when mm. I at the time during recording, I was just so fucking intimidated by him. Like right. he's just a real I don't know, just I guess because of his stature in the industry and like mm. when he runs um sessions, like have you been on a session with Greg before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's quite he's real business and like Mm -hmm. very straight ahead with his feedback and which is awesome. Right. That's what you need. Yeah. Um, and a producer. But because of that, I was like real intimidated, but I was like, I think I should ask him like what he thinks about the song and like how, you know, what he reckons would be a good way to like release stuff because I don't really know how to do it. Right. Right. So this was like 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, so I talked to him and he was like, well, here's what, here's what I think. Here's, a few people you can talk to. um, Here's what I would try. Mm. Um, So I basically just took that advice that he gave me and like did it like by the letter. (laughs) Methodically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it was was a weird one because at that time, I think because I was kind of like, I'd come off the back of that burnout period and I was like, I'll do this song. Feels good to be doing it. Mm. But if I put it out and like nothing happens, then... I'll just keep doing what I've been doing and like okay. being yeah. produced for other people because I like doing that. Yeah. Right. Um. But then, yeah. And then I put it out. So this was the song fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I put it out and it just went be- beyond anything I could ever have imagined.
0: Right. Like in what um, sense, like it, lo- lots of plays and that sort of thing. Mm,
1: yeah. 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 So it was on radio for a little while. Yep. Um. The music video was on like edge TV and like um. the, so it de the first week it came out it went it debuted at number seven. Wow! And I was like, "What? You know, like <laughs> yeah. how how can this be? Right? This yeah. doesn't this kind of thing just doesn't happen." And how do you think it and happened? I, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Man. I mean, what did you do right? It,
1: it's still to this day. <laughs> it, it's still I I feel very mystified <laughs> by right. it. You know, like yeah, yeah, because it was like number seven, and then the next week it went up to number three. Oh my god! And then it stayed at number three for two weeks. I was like, H-. wow. Yeah, it was like living in this weird like. I don't know. It was so strange. And it was like, yeah. no label, no management, <laughs> self-produced, right? Yeah. I was like...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe since, like, to this day, I've kind of just been chasing that dragon. Right. right. Yeah. Um, has
0: it felt like a come
1: down since then? I don't know. I feel like it's... Because each, each of the songs I've put out, and then, like, I put out an album at the end of last year, Yeah. Um, has been... Like, it still has been pretty good. Like, there's been good interest and uptake and stuff mm. um, from, from like, media and, like, just general plays on Spotify and all that kind of thing. Right. So, I don't know if it was just because that was, like, the first one that just felt so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? But, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely feel like that song was the one that, that like, launched it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why. I... I you know, like looking back on it, I don't, like, it, it's not like I listened to that song. I'm like, oh, it's such a bad song. Why would it, why would anybody <laughs> have liked it? I, yeah. I do think it was a good song, mm. but I don't think it was like, it's not like it was next level compared to Sure, like but, the stuff that I put out after it. But it, so, it sounds like also what you're saying is,
0: is it maybe would have made more sense to you if you could have seen the steps, like, you know, like you could have seen mathematically, let's say, or strategically why mm. it got to number three. Yeah, r- rather than it just feeling so random yeah it, it really
1: did feel like it was
0: just completely out of the blue yeah you know? exactly one of the things that i i liked i mean i checked out some of your music videos and i really really liked them because they remind me i mentioned the police before one of the things that the police did very specifically when they were on the way up is that they mm. shot videos that didn't cost them a fortune but they were just really like Represented the personality of the band. Right. Like their manager, Miles Copeland, said he knew he had something special with the personality of each member. Right. And they had this kind of character about them, you know? Mm. He goes, We didn't need to spend a fortune making big, elaborate videos. We just made sure it was interesting and memorable and Mm. got the point the personality across you know yeah yeah um and i thought that was really smart you know that guy miles copeland is a pretty inspiring dude mm-hmm. when you look at how he's approached you know uh music management he's behind a lot of other massive bands too right um and it reminded me of that because your videos are really really interesting but they also and i i assume i'm saying the right thing here that they they probably didn't cost you huge amounts of money right
1: oh no definitely not <laughs> right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: but they're really really cool and interesting videos oh, thanks, man. which i think Um, represent your character as an artist and that it it does everything they need to do but without having to mortgage the house you know oh thanks man I mean I I I, I I mean I think that's a genius move because I think these days there is such a reliance on other people paying for things Mm. oh we've got to get the funding to make the video and make some big elaborate piece of shit you know which doesn't actually help their career in any way mm. um it's just a shiny turd you know yeah 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 <laughs> you know, so i mean am i tapping into your thought process here or
1: or am i projecting <laughs> well uh, no definitely like i think cuz to me right like it, it's it kind of like if you you know approaching approaching it as like a problem solving exercise right yes. like you can if you throw a like a shitload of money or something, Mm. it probably will become an easier problem. Mm. But like, if you don't have that money to spend, Mm. um, then like, you got to get creative. You have to be more creative. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to music videos and stuff like that, doing stuff on a shoestring is really, really fun. And like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I make all, all of my music videos, um, aside from the ones that I shot at home Mm. during lockdown and stuff like that have been done with, um, one of my friends lochner we he's like an amazing um like cinematographer film director and stuff yeah um but like basically the the only uh kind of financial outlay has been like to pay for his time yeah um to pay for anybody else who's been in the video mm. and like that's pretty much it yeah know? and you also did a couple of like
0: one shot videos right yeah, yeah, Which the saves one money strollers. on editing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The two that the two that I'm specifically remembering are the skateboard one, and the um the one at Silo Park. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: man, those were both really really fun. Yeah, so much fun. The truth, yeah. Were they
0: were they like forty eight takes, or was it faster than that?
1: Uh, it was quite a lot of takes. Yeah, yeah. Like the, um, <laughs> I think the Silo Park one was not as much, Because right. I was real conscious that I had all these people here. Yeah. So like, don't want to. Be like wasting all their time, right? Yeah. So, I think we only did like we did maybe four takes of each because mm. there was like the daytime shot and the nighttime shot, right? Um, so we did like four takes of the daytime one, and then we went to Sal's, yeah, and got a bunch of pizza, and then we came back and shot the nighttime one, nice, yeah. Um, was that then, weird though, doing it in such a public place? Did you have loads of people looking at you? <laughs> uh, at, at first, I did feel quite self conscious, but yeah. because there's so many of us doing it, mm. it, it almost like legitimizes it right like people walking around like oh okay I guess they're doing they must be doing something proper <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um, and it was kind of yeah. interesting
0: like uh, I was thinking about all of I, I assume everyone in the video are just like friends and so on yeah Um, and they all seemed to be like fully into it you know like they everyone mm. I was looking at everybody going everyone's like giving it everything yeah, you know, yeah Was that was that a directional thing like were you like okay guys I need you to like leave your inhibitions at the door and bring mm. all your energy was that something you had to actually
1: direct yeah i think that was really a big part of it so like yeah. lochner you know, the director was like just we have to just make this as big as possible right because like we don't have anything else <laughs> other than the performance right <laughs> yeah exactly so like it was it was really fun and i think collectively all of us doing just just going as maximum energy as possible yeah like you all kind of feed off each other and like you know having one person like having one person doing it on your own right like mm. you feel a bit self-conscious and you have a lot of inhibitions and whatever but yeah. if you're all doing it like yeah it's kind it, of like safe in the mob kind of thing uh, that's it yeah. yeah
0: yeah and what about the other one i was, I was curious about was the skateboarding one because mm. i'm watching a skateboarding one going okay that's pretty cool um i'm trying to figure out how you're continuing to move because you're not really pushing that many no. times and i'm thinking maybe he's on a hill but then you kept going around in a circle <laughs> yeah. like how do you keep moving uh
1: yeah so it was actually an electric skateboard oh so you might yeah yeah so in the video you can see, see in my right hand i'm like holding a controller oh okay and that, that explains like, a lot yeah so i, was I thinking there's was some
0: a... mystical shit going on yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like
1: invisible toe rope
0: or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. But then the other thing I was trying to figure out is how did you get those um, the two cyclists to suddenly appear at the right time?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And did
0: that take a lot of takes to get right?
1: It didn't take a lot of takes. It, we did a lot of practice. So, yeah. like, um, for that one, we were driving... Um, so we had a car, like, a mm. camera car, basically. Yeah. And then, so Lochner, the director, was, like, filming out the back of the car. Right. And then the two bikes were riding on the, like, basically flanking yeah car.
0: right i see staying out of shot
1: yeah so just yeah. like the cameras like facing you and then the bikes would be here yeah and then like at the right time they would just like hit the brakes so that they would like drift backwards into the scene wow yeah that's really interesting
0: i did a video um a couple of years ago where i had two girls out of the camera shot mm. and i was looking at the camera and they mm. would lean in um oh, and, yeah, and yeah sort of almost in an aggressive way like they were they were sort of attacking me but they were yeah. sing, they were singing the bvs yeah yeah um And it was so funny recording that because they 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 would come in at different times and you know and it had to be kind of symmetrical for it to look right Mm. in the shot, Um, and it ended up looking really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, But um, we we ended up filming like we ended up cutting together like a gag reel because it was so Mm. funny. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Of all the times they got it wrong, you know. Mm. So I was watching that thinking like because they kind of appear in the shot at the same time. That Mm. kind of been easy.
1: Yeah, it took it took a lot of practice. Yeah. So oh, yeah. where do you get these ideas from? Uh, I don't know. So it's usually just me and Lochner will like sit down and talk about it. Yeah. And like we normally start with an idea which is way bigger. Right. And then just kind of like go, oh crap, we can't do that. Or mm. like it's going to be too expensive or like it'll need like five crew or like we'll yeah. need a super hectic lighting setup to make this achievable or whatever. Yeah so it was it basically is us like starting with something big and then just going like descope, 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 just make it smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> until we're like okay i think with reasonable confidence we should be able to make this mm. and yeah. like well again i i, I like the charm
0: the, I, I really believe in the creative process that comes out of limitations hard so out. It's, it's one of the reasons why i'm not interested in stuff that's coming from money you know, mm. I, I think when you hear a great record that a unknown band made and they had not much time in the studio and all they had was just play it really well. Mm. You know, there's some great albums that appeared that way. Yeah. yeah. And, if, and if your videos were like really high def, like I was cut like Star Wars or whatever, I <laughs> yeah. just don't think I would have cared. Right. You know, but, but the fact that y- you can kind of feel that this is a real artistic statement you know and that you turned it into something creative by doing the one shot thing and making it interesting and there, and you couldn't have faked it through editing you know because mm. you did have to actually have the cycles coming at the same time like it starts to become more of like wow check that out right yeah, you know yeah. it's it just makes me want to watch it again to see if i can figure out how you did it
1: oh that's cool thanks man i really yeah. appreciate that yeah well, nice. i mean I,
0: I, to me that's way more exciting it's a, mm. i guess it's the same principle of i mean you know we have this very um produced music world now and I've got nothing against that I love good production mm-hmm. but there's something really exciting about hearing those Motown records because you know they're just standing there
1: yeah yeah they're all playing together <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a
0: live thing you know hear them go a bit flat and you're like well mm. yeah kind of cool though yeah you know that's just part of that take you know mm-hmm. yeah so what do you um, uh, you know kind of where do you want to be in a while. I know it's just kind of a corny question. Mm-mm. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the music industry is pretty confusing mm. and um, it sounds like you've got a good head on your shoulders. So, w- are you still trying to, like, find the big break or you feel like you're in a good place now? You just want to build on it or, you know, what are you working yeah, towards? I,
1: I don't know, actually. And, mm. like, um, yeah, I, I feel like the idea of, like, a big break is yeah. kind of um, stupid. I don't know about stupid, but maybe like, um, maybe a bit fantastical. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like winning lotto. Yes, exactly. You know, like, um, so to me, it's kind of like being able to, like still being able to, um, make art that I believe in Mm. and release it. Like that's like fundamental, right? Like it has that, that's like a non negotiable Mm -hmm. for me. Um, And I think, you know, I'm at the point with making music and doing creative stuff that like, it is like I'm earning from it, you know, like it's not a money sink. It's not just breaking even like I'm actually earning, which is like a really like, like a hugely privileged place to be, Mm. you know? And I think it would be cool to like continue building on that, you know, like maybe one day I won't need the part-time job anymore. Right. um, And I'll just be able to do like... A million different things within the yeah. music industry, you know, whether that's taking photos or like making videos or mm. being a producer and and being an artist. Yeah, and, and and when like, you're saying you're earning, mm-hmm. is that from a variety of different sources? Yeah, so from yeah. like all of the kind of stuff that I've said. Yeah, like um, yeah, so product music production is probably the the main one for me. Yep. Like I do some covers gigs as well. Yeah, like yeah, like we all do. Everyone does. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and it's good, I think, to the do covers yeah. gigs. Mm. Yeah, I think it expands your playing. Hara, yeah, and yeah. It, like it gives you a real good understanding, I think, of what makes a good song or yeah. what makes a, a sticky song. Exactly, because you know I mean?
0: you're yeah. up on stage playing some of the best songs ever written. Yeah, depending yeah. depending on what you're playing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, if you're playing a Stevie Wonder
0: song, like mm. you're going to the boss. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a template you think
1: that other people can learn from? I think it depends on your personality, because. Mm. Um, um, I think there's kind of a spectrum. There's like many different spectrums that we all exist on. Right. right. And like one of those spectrums is like uh, the specialist generalist spectrum. Yeah. Right. So there's some people I know who like their whole thing is like they just want to be the best guitar player they can be. Right. right. Yep. So they, and they have no problem like sinking all of that time into um, like practicing and like learning the scales and learning shapes and arpeggios and yeah, all that stuff. And then they become you know, the number one person that you call when you need a a session player or you need someone for your gig Mm. or whatever, like, that's the person, right? Right. Um, And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's, I feel like, someone like me, right? Mm. Who is, like, you know, quite good at at a few different things. Yes. You know, and, like, I won't be the first call up for most stuff, but, like, (laughs) the thing with people who are the first call is they're busy as hell, right? Yeah. So like maybe well, the second mm, or the third call up yeah. for a lot of different things, you end up kind of getting the same number of yeah, opportunities I mean, come to you. Right? I, I feel like I'm the same as you, hmm.
0: you know, and I think that that's a better way to be because hmm. it makes you more robust. Hmm. You know, I know lots of fantastic musicians who who don't really make too much money because, right. because the, I mean, you know, the number of sessions out there and gigs out there are, it's not that much, you know, hmm. Um, if you have the ability know to make videos and to produce other people's records and to do covers and to get a little bit of traction out of your own music and you know all of those different that diversity i think is how you have a career these days in the arts
1: yeah it's true eh? and like it's interesting to think about Mm. because sometimes i'm like man what if i had put all of my time into trying to be an artist like i wonder where i would be yeah or like Um, as in do you mean like all all your time into songwriting and not into anything else yeah 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 yeah. or like yeah yeah, not maybe not necessarily just songwriting but like Mm. you know all of the associated things that come with making and releasing music so like yeah you know writing my own songs producing my stuff yeah making all the marketing and like release plans and mm. music videos and all that stuff. Yeah. Like if I was just super selfish and like just only worked for myself. <laughs>
0: Is that selfish? <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's selfish. But, but I know I know. You know what, mean. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: Like where, like where would my um where would my career as a recording artist be? Mm. You know? I think it'd be a lot harder. mm, Yeah. It would be yeah. Like I think it would be more difficult to um like from a financial perspective, like mm. it would be way harder, but sometimes I'm like, is it, I don't know, like, am I just like, not, not wasting time, but like, you know, should I be putting more time into making yeah my own music? Like, cause I, um, yeah, I went to see, I went to see Tiny Ruins on Wednesday. Do you know Holly? Uh,
0: not personally, but yeah. Yeah, another yeah. yeah. But
1: she's like, yeah, she's so cool and like very inspiring mm. and like, she's like hard out like a Mm monotasker you know it's like she's just put all of her skill points into the into the songwriting tree right yeah and like it really shows yeah um and i'm like sometimes i'm like fuck you know maybe (laughs) (laughs) like have i you know have i like specked out my
0: yeah but i mean i don't know about her but i mean i personally think that all the different things that we do inform all the things that we do Mm. same as we're just talking about with covers, you know, like you, if you are the kind of artist who only writes and never plays a cover, you miss out on learning all this great stuff about how great songs are written. Mm,
1: That's true. You know,
0: and you miss out on the experience of playing great songs live and, and feeling the reaction in the room. Yeah. And I think that informs the way you write, you know, Mm. but I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I just, I personally just think that if you, if you have an idea about how to run the business behind the thing, then you understand about things like deadlines and budgets and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and i think that helps the art yeah you know yeah. like a, as a songwriter and as a musician you have to work within a context and be somewhat economical and you know mm-hmm. you may you want to make a music video and you actually know how to do that mm-hmm. you know i think they inform each other i don't know if if you get that if you just do one thing
1: yeah true it seems like we're kind of like really similar in similar that, minded right? yeah. yeah exactly yeah.
0: which is very much down to necessity because i i can tell you honestly that when i was starting out when i was super young all i wanted to do was play and mm-hmm. i was just like i just had that fantastic or fantastical um idea That you were describing before where you just you get the deal and then it's all sorted out and i thought i don't have to do anything yeah yeah you know and then real life kicks in you go oh no i still need to do my taxes and (laughs) yeah yeah, like yeah yeah you go
1: from being like i don't have to do anything to like wait i have to do everything Everything. yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs)
0: yeah and like i i think that was kind of a shock to me in in some ways but um it kind of became more fun in a way you know, mm. and now that I, now that I think about it, like if I had had huge success when let's say I was let's say when I was eighteen, I'd become some sort of huge success story. I would have missed out on learning a lot, mm. you know, because I would have been able to just make all the money and sit by the pool and do an album every four years, right? You know, but yeah. but I've learned so much by by having to run the business and do the covers and the sessions and whatever. Mm. Um, I'm kind of grateful for that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Mm. It's really nice to to um to discover because I don't, didn't know anything about you obviously until you got here yep. but it's nice to discover there's a very um, thoughtful you know mind behind your music and it's really nice to hear that that you are thinking about it all and and um, you know that it's not just like you're falling sort of ass backwards through it like you're actually figuring it out which I think mm-hmm. is really great and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing sort of where you end up in, in the future oh thanks man yeah, yeah and really I appreciate it yeah and I hope, um, I hope people get something out of it because I think um I think the way that you're thinking is the right way to think. There's no one answer for any of this stuff, but I think Mm. it's about how you think about it. Yeah. You know, which gives you the best shot, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, thanks for coming in and I wish you all the best. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
1: If you find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast, please do like, share, and subscribe and give us a review on iTunes.